Track Guide, Cross the Streams podcast, Kip coming to you. Got an interview today with a former student of mine in another life when I was a teacher at McKay High School, uh, Solomon Frank, who ended up going to Willamette University, playing football, graduating from Willamette, degree in sociology, going through Thunderbird Graduate School of Management at Arizona State University, and is now running Outer Atoll Resources, a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating some industry in Micronesia, where Saul's family is from. It's an amazing story a super cool interview everything from his background at McKay how he you know he kind of stayed above the fray what when we were there together was labeled the most dangerous school in the state of Oregon through struggles in a college football career at Willamette into what he's doing now and everything you could possibly know of how seaweed can be not only a business but help jumpstart an economy and a social structure in a country it's amazing very proud to have had him on and uh, hope you guys enjoy the interview Cross the Streams podcast, Kip back with you. Uh, another interview that I'm doing. We should probably make this a whole under our label of Cross the Streams. You know, we've got useless full info. We've got hometown heroes. We've got uh, listen up. We've got dishing on the drive. We've got crack the egg. We should probably either put this one in a hometown heroes Salem edition, or we got to make a whole new like interview Q and A with Kip since Kane never does these, and I get I get I actually it's fun. I like doing them. Uh, this is a great one for me because in another life, I was actually a high school teacher, McKay High School, my most diverse school in the state of Oregon, 22 years old, coming out of Willamette MAT, and I'm at McKay teaching accounting and business, business management classes, and my guest tonight, unfortunately for him, uh, but obviously luckily for me, he was stuck with me throughout his high school career. Um, Solomon Frank is joining us. I want Saul, you tell everybody where you're coming from, where you're joining us from, because you might have the record now. This is our 91st episode, I think, and you are easily the longest committed call-in distance away. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you having me. Um, I'm currently in Pontefe, Micronesia, which is between the Marshall Islands and Guam, essentially. And I'm here. taping Wednesday, 9 p.m. on 9-11. What, what time is it there? Right now, it is 3 p.m. on Thursday, so we're 18 hours ahead. Oh, my goodness. See, these are all things that I got to dive into with you. But let's let's go back to let's, – let's go all the way back. As Saul and I go a long ways back, we got McKay connections, Willamette connections. We got taking care of my kids connections, him and his mom. Uh, let's just go back to you, man. Give me McKay – like, here's what I remember about Saul, the, the McKay kid. Not the Willamette version and not currently this version. Solomon Frank, football guy, when there were still newspapers in the, in the 07, 06, 05. You're on the cover with Ramiko, playing linebacker. I'm kicking him off of my, my computers in class because all he's doing is loading Troy Palomalu and Lofa Tatupu pictures up and not doing his assignments. Uh, but go ahead. Reminisce about yourself in the McKay days, man. Yeah, so we'll just set, set the scene. Uh, this is 2007, uh, 2006, 2007, one, one of the most impactful times for me. Um, where there's a news article that came out, I think it was Fox News and maybe some other places that said that McKay is the worst high school 
in the entire state. Mm -hmm. And that was based on expulsions. And uh, over at McKay, obviously, a lot of, we, we spoke about the diversity. And so when you have lots of diversity, there's clashes, especially with teenagers, mm -hmm. and, you know, hormones running and stuff like yep. that. And so we, uh, luckily for us, our principal didn't put up with it. And she just made a no, no fighting, no fighting tolerance. And so if you got in a fight, you got expelled. So that number was super inflated, mm -hmm. but we kind of took that as a pride for us. So yep. 2007, we, uh, we, all we could do is focus on sports, and that's kind of what put put me in where I'm, the position I am today to set me up with all the foundation of how to be successful. Essentially, mm -hmm. um, coach, I got to give credit to Coach Minier, Coach Martino, um, and they just really and you, Coach Coach Ion, of course, because uh, he kept me even though I was hitting class, he made sure I was doing stuff, which is good. And that's a you know so it's, stuff I'm doing now. And that and for those of you guys that listen to season one, Greg Plater, you know, and Saul are friends. They go way back at McKay. Um, for guys like you guys, and, and you can you can lift off some other of the kids that came through McKay during that time on the student athlete side. How did you stay above the fray, man? Was it what was it, what was it how you were brought up? Is it the coaching influence you mentioned, Coach Minyard, the football coach, Coach Martino, the basketball coach? Was it you guys together getting as a group? Like, man, we can't get caught up in the nonsense as much. And I love McKay, you know, I love McKay, yeah. but there was nonsense to get caught up in. If you allowed yourself, so how did you manage to do that and come out of there with a college to go to and a, in a, in a sports program that wanted you at the next level? Yeah, well, my mother, she had a very faith-based influence on me, and that really pushed me to do to make the right decisions. I believe is that I had a strong faith base, and um, beyond that, uh, I think we did. Like we had a group of freshmen that came in together, and we were just all really, really good friends, and ha like ten of us mm -hmm. played football, basketball, and baseball. And so it was easy for us to transition, and it's like, oh, we can't really go out because this is what we're doing, because this is what we're this is what we're here to do is play ball. Mm -hmm. and that's uh, that's I think that's what kept us away from everything, like all the bad stuff. But it wasn't as bad as it seemed. But I mean, 2007, we got the what top five four by one team in the nation. Yep. Not me, but people there. And then we had state playoffs. We got sixth place, and then even the football team made. Uh, that's right. That year. It just goes to say, like. You know, you could strive through anything that people are pushing at you. And that, that had such an impact on my life just because of diversity and also just, like, pushing us forward. We got to go, you know. Mm -hmm. We want to move on. And I, I, th I think back to, like, you know, business management because I would never claim to be the best teacher, like the curriculum listed <laughs> guy. But I really did enjoy the, the conversations with you and a lot of the other guys and girls in the classrooms about life. And you were always a kid that was that wanted to get into those conversations. Now I couldn't get you to do an accounting spreadsheet for shit, but we could go and talk about life. Where was that from? Is that from home? Is that from your group of ten? Like you were always kind of forward thinking. And obviously, as we get into your story here, I think it's paid off for you. Where did that, you know, give a shit level? Because not all teenagers, when I'm trying to engage in current events yeah. or things. Wanted to hear that. Like, I own, come on, man. Leave, leave me alone. I'm doing my own thing. You guys were always more than willing to engage. Well, uh, unfortunately, my grandfather was sick when I was around, like, 12, 13. And so my father brought me back here to Micronesia. And that really opened my eyes of, like, there is other places that aren't as developed as the U.S. Mm -hmm. Maybe I didn't have the exact uh, terminology for, like, developing all the yeah. things. But I could see that people out here are struggling. And that's why my dad left Micronesia to begin with, was to go get work over in the States. Mm -hmm. And so... For him to make that transition, like immigration, like immigrating is such a big thing for people that no one really like. It's so amazing that he went from a third world country to the first world and survived. Like mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. like, it's, it's so hard to do. And so 
putting that in perspective, that's that's why I always was thinking forward is that the only way that I could help out here is if I go to school. And from everything that I was fed, it's like you try harder sports and try harder school, you're gonna set your you're gonna get lucky. You might yeah. get lucky. You're gonna put yourself in position to make a play. That's all that's all we're trying to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now talk about go into to the background too on your family side. I like that that you're touching on, you know, where Pops is coming from. Our right, we have another connection. Your mom, Island Adventures, daycare, right? Took care of my yep. kids, Lincoln, Leah, Xavier. You had Xavier solo for a while, so you know that bond as well. How did that play into? Because I feel like you were a big brother to a lot of kids, not just siblings. Yeah, man. I uh, I probably since my sister was born, my mother's been doing childcare. So since '97, I believe, mm-hmm. so that I have had like little brothers and sisters at least like a hundred to two hundred living mm-hmm. in my seriously my in like the converted yeah. garage. It's the daycare center. Yeah, yep. Yeah. But it just, but it showed my mother's like passion for, you know, helping out others. But also, it's kind of island way that's what we do. We take care of our family members, and then we take care of the kids too. It just happens that yeah, to get paid for it over there because we <laughs> have so much stuff in the U.S. Right? And yep. It's always great to have my mother. My mother loves having people's kids that we know because we want them to have hopefully the same influence that we have. And it's easy for my mom to say like. To, my son keeps doing this, so it's a good. It's like a good yeah. impression for her, you know. And so, you know, it's kind of I obviously want to do well for myself, but also got to show yeah. for my mom, let her know that she's doing the right stuff. That's why we doing the right, right. stuff. Do you feel like that background, not you know, not just your cultural background, but your mom's background in childcare, did that make? Because I felt like you were always a great teammate, even years you were hurt at Willamette or at McKay, like you were like a guy that was like a glue for teams. You think some of yeah, that's from yeah. there? Yeah, well, you know, in Salem, unfortunately, I'm sure it's an epidemic across the U.S. It's like single mothers is such a such a thing that it's it's hard for these mothers to do to work and take care of their kids and things. And so it's like when the kids come into the place, it's like, what are we supposed to do? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to treat them like our own kids. And I think that that's that's what it came from. And so when you're talking touching on being a big teammate, man, morale is one of the most important things on on club te- on teams, right? Yeah. It's like everyone, if you can lift someone's morale, then People are gonna do. They're gonna do better. Give them more confidence. They're gonna. They're gonna do better. Yeah. So now take us through. McKay's done. You get to Willamette. Take us through Willamette Academy. The trials and tribulations at Willamette. Obviously, people that listen. Taylor Mounts has been on here before on the Cross the Streams. Tay and Tay and Saul are a married couple separated by an ocean. Um, but you know our, our 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 connections are intertwined. But go ahead. Talk about college as an athlete, as a student athlete, all that. Yeah. So. Uh, Coming out of McKay, doing well in school there, and playing football well. I was so excited to go to Willamette. Um, I had been in Willamette Academy, which was a program to help first-generation college students get into school. Um, after you know meeting all these people, actually, that was what made me so comfortable to go to Willamette was because of that. Mm, that I had mm-hmm. been there so much. I was kind of wanted to go away from it because I had been there so much. But then my good roommate, his name is Alfredo Zuniga, and he we were roommates through Willamette Academy for a long time, and now. Uh, or leading up to Willamette, we're like, hey, you just want to be roommates again? <laughs> yes. Seamless, seamless transition. And then, like you said, I met Taylor, and then it was all history after that. Me and Taylor were like brothers from another mother. So right. it, was, uh, it was a good time. But the transition from McKay to Willamette, like, even even though I did well in school, Willamette's a whole different pedigree. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Uh, the first class we had was colloquium, and I couldn't even sound that out when I started. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I was like, man, we. I, we haven't even played a game yet, and we're over here going to class. Like, you guys, this, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. 
And so, uh, fortunately for me, um, our, my freshman year, we made it to the playoffs. Uh, the first game, I was excited because I got the hardest hit award. And so it was my, my, my season was starting off well. My career was starting off well. And then uh, I got derailed by some surgeries. So I had some um, shoulder surgeries and some knee surgeries. And that kind of really shifted my mindset as well. It's like, you know, as a kid growing up in a bad neighborhood, it's like the easiest way to get to the top is go to the league. Right. And that's all we think about is going yep. to the league. And so right when I was in Willamette freshman year, it's like I can still get to the league. I played fullback, which is a very specific, mm-hmm. specific position, sorry. And, uh, like, I, I still had the faith in myself that I could do it. But then once I lost one of my knees, like I tore my ACL, it was like, man, Saul, you got you to gotta reevaluate. Yeah. Was that a self-conversation? Was there help in that conversation for you? Like teammates, uh, yeah, friends, well, mom? Well, so my plan has always been to come back to Micronesia and help out. And like I said, the, the most efficient, fastest way would be get to the league with, by the time I'm 21, make a couple mil and come out here and throw yeah. some money around to help people develop because that's right. the whole point of it. And, or at least alleviate them from their situation that they're in because yeah. there's not very much to do or there's not – Little things can be improved to improve people's life a lot. Okay. And so, um, yeah, so I did just have a self-conversation with myself when I tore my ACL. Because, like, hey, your whole plans for the last 10, 15 years, they're done. So mm-hmm. you need to adjust. You're going to come back and play football. But just because I felt like I owed the team that just because yeah. I was injured so much, I really wanted to come back and play again. So after two ACLs and two shoulder surgeries, I was able to do that. To just tell myself I could do anything yeah. I want. Not necessarily go play in the league anymore because, you know, they're pretty strict about physicals and stuff. Right. So. And I think probably, and you, you can, you can, I'm sure your teammates could attest to this better, but I'm assuming seeing you, because when I'd see you, like, God damn it, Saul, are you on crutches again? Yeah. What is, but I know your teammates and the coaching staff, prob- and, and they've told me this, like just seeing him come back and battle through that, a lot of guys would have hung him up. So I'm sure that kind of endeared you and probably earned some credibility in that locker room. Yeah, and uh, it was it was a good time to come back. I mean, um, and I I played with so many people and just was able to talk to so, and just get to know people and yeah. I cherish all those friendships. Like I uh, I still to this day I just will go through California and hit up some friends in whatever city they're in, any football teammates or basketball, and yeah, they gonna show up and we all gonna show up and meet up together. So now go jump Willamette. Now what? Where are you headed? So after Willamette, I uh, what'd you major in? I majored in sociology. Okay. And that really, that really, I, oh, we talk about life changing times. I was, I took some classes. Uh, some topics and some conversations in those? Yeah, it was crazy. They were blowing my mind. I was <laughs> like, this, this is, uh, <laughs> this is crazy. And, but it really, it, what, it, what it did, it helped me identify where I was in society. Like, uh-huh. literally. And it's like, and, but then it also told me, like, what are the different levels and how do you achieve those things? And that's kind of what I got from it. But it also, Willamette, definitely their their slogan of uh, or their motto of not unto ourselves so we're born alone. That's like that's basically where I live to this day. Mm-hmm. Like, it's carry on because you can help so many people so easily. At least I feel that way. Yeah. Especially morale, like I was talking about. But moving on. So unfortunately, my other grandfather on my mother's side passed away when uh, right after school, and so uh, I I took over his estate, and that took some time. It was pretty crazy. Uh, one thing I learned is. Make sure you pay your taxes. Is that a bunch so of property taxes. management and, and, and going back through like the finances of the place? Yeah, we had to go. We had to just get rid, get like do the whole estate. It was a it was a mess just because of uh, yeah he had some some relationship issues at yeah. the time. But anyways, not to bring him up, but 
so that that was another thing that took almost a year of my life to do that and it was like all that that you were saying like forward thinking like i literally had to think that this will finish in a year and i had started from nothing and mm-hmm. so yeah i had to stay at his house by myself and stuff and, and where is that at in oregon yeah yeah i was up in newburgh oh, okay so we had a farm up in newburgh and uh yeah unfortunately we had to sell the place but that it he he has some he has some ties with Fiji and stuff, and so like that kind of got got me in um, in almost in the mindset of like, oh, this international stuff is kind of cool. Like, yeah. I kind of like it, and I have a home that's international, so that's cool. Yeah. And then uh, once I knew that the estate needed to be, once it was coming to a conclusion, it was like, all right, we need to find what the next step is. And at that time, this is 2015, um, and I come back here to Micronesia again just after finished or a year after finishing from Willamette, and my eyes got reopened again, like, oh, my gosh, there's so much that needs to be improved. And so mm-hmm. uh, I didn't feel that I was prepared to do that uh, business-wise. Okay. So you're, you're so, basically you're looking at the poverty, you're looking at the social system, and it's yeah. going to take more than just want. You're going to need yeah. more expertise. Yeah, even myself. Like, that's what it was. Is that, you know, so, you, yeah, you always pretty smart, you might think, but you need to learn a little. <laughs> yes. You need to learn a little more before you come out here and try and do something. Okay. So that's, that was my plan. And so, I, luckily, hilarious. So, uh, Taylor, you know, Taylor's my best friend and my brother. And so, like, I'm like, all right, T, I'm going to start applying to graduate schools near you. So, you, you stay put. And so, he was uh, he was working with the Dimebacks at the time, which yeah. was cool. So, I was looking for a school down in Arizona. And then, magically ran into this the most wonderful school i can ever imagine which was thunderbird like they had just been purchased by asu so i went to asu's website because that's near taylor right yeah so then i was like oh do you guys have any like international business and then it just took me down this rabbit hole which was thunderbird and it was uh amazing so it's thunderbird school of global management is that correct yep that's right that's right and so i applied for their um Masters of Arts in Global Affairs Management okay. um, degree, and uh, the thing about it was, uh, so like I said, I had many injuries throughout Willamette, and that like completely derailed my, at least my GPA. Didn't yeah. derail me from graduating, but my GPA was in the dirt. And yeah, I mean, partly is my fault, but the other part was like they say how bad these opioids are, and that was in 2013 that I was getting. Mm, you were getting so, so, like, steady prescriptions of it. Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna. I, I'm having knee surgery, so like I need them. Yeah. And I'm going to class on crutches, and so if I'm gonna go to class, it's gonna hurt me. So I need to take these pills in order to get there. So I get there, and then when I'm in class, I'm spacing out. Like, mm. what am I doing here? And yeah. So it's like it's impossible for us to stay in class when we're injured because it's like we we might be present, but our mind's not present. Right. And right. If we're not present, then we're not present. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, things have changed now where, like, you can call in and be in. I was about to say, I wonder if the office of the Learning Resources Center that I send, like, concussed guys to now, I wonder if that even existed seven, eight years ago when you were going. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was it was all different. So, yeah. like, I got, I mean, there was someone in the social department that was set on me not, not staying at Willamette because my grades were bad. I mean, he was not listening to me about my problems that I was having, and it was not cool, but... You know what? I overcame them, and I was glad to be able to do that. But, yeah, I mean, sorry, I think I'm getting off track. No, don't worry. That's what podcasts are for, man. We go on all tangents. Let's just listen to me and Martino. You know how we go on rants. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So Thunderbird didn't like your GPA. Yeah, well, I knew that they wouldn't like it, and so I said, all right, Taylor, I'm coming out to visit you. I want to 
go check out your. I want to check out the stadium, get an inside access yeah. tour, and then I want to. And then I'm gonna go for a. I'm gonna go for an interview over at Thunderbird. Okay. And the week before I got there, I watched this movie called uh, "Men Who Stare at Goats." Have you ever seen that? Movie? No, I've heard of it. Go ahead, re- oh, recap it. Hilarious. They have all. It's like uh, what is it? Is George Clooney? Yeah, George okay. Clooney. It's kind of like they have like the Ocean's cast, I think. Yeah. But it's it's about this crazy military alleged military group where they brought in a bunch of different cultures into one place and they were trying to do like um uh outside of the box military stuff okay. so like uh, telepathy and like trying to they were trying to kill a goat by staring at it. That's the whole <laughs> like point. x-men superpowers yeah. is what we're saying yeah exactly gotcha. but they were but they were trying to do it for real and like really like this, they were in the u.s military being funded allegedly these are alleged claims. yeah but i brought that up in my interview over there and was saying like I feel like this place is like that because I was walking around and there's just all different cultures and everybody everywhere. And I was so comfortable when I went there, the campus itself. Yeah. Campus has moved now, but at that time when we went to our place, it was so awesome. I'm like, this is where I got to go. And so I told the interviewer that that, that quote from the movie or the, told him about the movie and she's like, I love it. But I came in there with a, with a mission to help out out here. And so I asked her, like, honestly, do you think that this place can help me find the answer that I'm looking for of how to help? Yeah. And Luckily, they did. They, they they did. They didn't do it directly, but they gave me the tools so that I could figure out how to fix it. Oh, that's amazing! Because obviously, right basically, you couldn't have just been a piece of paper. You wouldn't have got admitted. There's no way. Nah, no, no. You gotta you gotta meet salt to no salt. <laughs> and so then, so that works out. But didn't Tay move? Then he took the Auburn job or the McNeese yeah, job. So- so I, uh, yeah, so he got a job over at Auburn, and I'm coming to hang out with him for the summer, and he's like, so I got a job at Auburn, you want to come out? I'm like, yeah, let's go. So we road trip from Arizona all the way to Auburn, right before I was about to start school, because I had the whole summer. Yeah. And you don't want to be you don't wanna be caught in Arizona in the summer. No, I just course. experienced that work in the NCAA Academy, and I could not agree more. 116 yeah, degrees, yeah. I'm After out. After living there, yeah, it was hilarious. When we started school, we were in suits, and it was 120. I was like, damn. <laughs> We're really serious about this school. Story. I know. What is so Thunderbird was how many years for you getting your masters? Uh, just two. Just two. Uh, okay. Year program. Yeah, it was great time. That's over in Glendale, but they moved to downtown Phoenix now. They're actually oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, ASU downtown. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. We're part of that now, and they're they're going to be building us a building within the next. Did you have internships between those two years? Actually, yeah, that summer. So. Uh, uh, I was lucky enough to get selected to go with my some classmates to Ecuador. We did oh, a wow. consulting project down in Ecuador. Um, we were working for 3M, and we were just trying to help them with some uh, display stuff, like how they can display things a little bit better, okay. essentially. And so okay. we did some of that, and that was a great experience. That was my first taste of like doing work internationally. Yeah. And then uh, I had a great group with me. Uh, had uh, just a great time out there. Yes. And a hilarious thing you say about or. I said about media people, there was actually a, um, a Willamette Bearcat that ran, he opened his own hostel inside Ecuador, where what? he was from. Yeah, his name is Marco. And so really? My friend that I've, that I've known, and I just see him there, and so I go to his hostel, hang out, and yeah. have a good time with someone I already knew. So it was like, you always got to keep those connections. For sure, rolling. for sure. And they also, also gave me uh, confidence in myself, like, man, this guy came home from work, so like, well, why can't I go home and work? Like, this yeah. place, Ecuador is, it, it's not... It's, it's, the more, it's more developed in here, obviously, but there's still people living in poverty, and it's still colonial housing that's just ran down. But it's beautiful city. It's yeah. so beautiful. Yes. And 
Kikso that is. That, so uh, you get you do these. You your your connections from throughout life are playing well for you. Your your personality, which was evident from day one when you were a freshman running around, has served you well. Now, before we jump into your work in Micronesia, explain it more. Because, you know, a lot of people, like, if you hear if you hear about Pacific Islanders or you hear about Polynesia, you're going to, like, people go to Hawaii, Samoa, Tonga, right? Yeah. Explain yeah. more your your family's heritage, the culture where you're at, and then jump into the project. All right. So when you talk about Polynesia and those places, and the majority of the people you'll see, the larger islanders will be like the Samoans, the Tongans, and the Hawaiians. And their their islands are bigger, so like there's more land for them to grow. Whether yeah. Than us, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's uh so we're in the North Pacific, like I said, and then our islands are we're pretty cl- like ninety miles any direction you can go to a new island. Ah, okay. Languages, and they're gonna look a little bit different too. Okay. And so, that's pretty much what we are. We're a bunch of travel. We were throughout history a bunch of sailors and travelers. And so, I am currently in Ponape, Micronesia, which is the state capital. Okay. And then um, my father is from an atoll to the south, which is ninety miles southwest. Okay. And so it's just a, it's just like a big old lagoon with nine islands, and then inside is like a lake. It's so beautiful. Yeah, and you you mentioned states. So is it all one country, individual countries with states? Uh, so we are one country, which is the Federated States of Micronesia, and it has four states. And then essentially it's like, if we were to say, put Oregon in perspective, yeah. Portland is the big city, and then Salem would be the small island to the south. Yeah. And there's more islands more south, which would be Eugene. Okay. Instead of I-5, we got water right <laughs> right did you know a lot about this is it all from that when your dad took you back when you found out more about this or were you always kind of raised learning about it uh i think when i came back here is where i first got exposed because it's like i only had like one or two islander cousins that i ever met until i was like 12 and then i come back here and i had like a hundred <laughs> so yep yeah so once I came out here, then I started getting more interested, and I'm always looking on the maps for stuff, but then it just carried on that, yeah, I just want, the more I started finishing, the more I want to come out here, because, yeah, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of family. Yeah. That will be us into what, what, what I'm doing. Yes. Like, Yo, I want, I want everybody, and the reason I know, the reason Saul and I reconnected, number one, he hits me, and he has no problem hitting me back up saying, what's up, coach? And Taylor Mounts had shared on social media an article from Thunderbird um, that talks about Micronesian seaweed farm is fertile ground for Solomon Frank's humanitarian goals. And not that I didn't believe in you, Saul, but that's a big sentence full of stuff I don't understand. Micronesian, but Micronesian seaweed farm, go, you. All right, well, uh, so like I said, uh, when I was applying to school, I asked the interview, I'm like, hey, do you think that I can find the answer to what I'm trying to do out here and try and help? And she's like, I don't know if you will but i'm pretty sure this is a place you want to be and i'm like for sure so i take all these uh i take all these accounting classes these finance classes the international affairs international business huge corporate finance classes and all these things and then i started realizing like oh this is what we're going to need to do in order to develop out here because okay. these things everyone works individually they don't really work together and so that's what i learned out okay here. so the whole seaweed thing we have trouble getting to the small island. The transportation doesn't come maybe a quarterly, so every almost every three months. Oh, my gosh. So one of the things that I was told is like, oh, the, 
they can't. It only comes so many times because of the funding. The state only has so much funding in order to do these projects, and they can only do that so much. And we only have a couple ships that service our island, and then Chuuk, and then Yap, which are other states as well. And okay. So there's not. We don't have very much ships, and we don't have very much money, and so the ships don't want to go down. And so, I, the main thing I hear is that there's no money to pay for this stuff, and so. I'm trying to figure out a way. How can we generate money off of our natural resources in order to solve this problem? To increase, basically, to increase opportunities of transportation. Yeah, increase opportunities of transportation. And so what I did was, I one day, this is, so my final semester at Thunderbird, I took two classes on purpose. They were two very influential classes. It was my um, entrepreneur finance class, which taught us how to make models and things in order to project finances. Okay. And then the other class was, uh, it was like global development, which really like, I was like, this is a, about that action. Now. <laughs> you put those two together, man, we are ready to go. And so because I was taking those classes, I started going down the rabbit hole on YouTube. You know, you could do that. For sure. One clip to the next clip to the next clip. And then I, I looked up some, like, what can we do in the ocean? And then I seen one video on seaweed and I was like, this, this, this isn't it, is it? And then. I went for like eight hours straight at night, maybe up until 4 a.m., doing the same thing, just looking over, learning how to do it, what's it going to take, Does this, is this going to work where we are? And everything was like, yes, yes, yes. Check every box that I was assuming. In seaweed, February, you're talking about the seaweed that's in my brain. I'm thinking of seaweed. Like this, we're not, this isn't some, is it a special seaweed? Well, so that's the, so the ocean is like, just like land. So you have different climates, right? Okay. So you have different seaweed that grows in different climates. Okay. So the one that you always see, the nori, that's with sushi and stuff, those are typically for cold climates. So that would be further north in the hemisphere. We're about uh, five to eight degrees north of the of the equator. So okay. we're, we got pretty temperate water out here, which is nice. So we are growing a particular seaweed, which is called Capophycus alvarezi. And that is, once it's processed, it can be turned into carrageenan. Carrageenan is a bonding agent. And it's like a, a natural bonding agent in wow. picking there with like food and things. Yeah. So uh, the best way I can describe it is chocolate milk, right? So you have milk and you have chocolate. Those have different densities of liquidity, right? Uh huh. And so if you don't, if you just leave them there, they're going to separate. But if you throw in some of this carrageenan, they're going to bond together, and you don't have to shake the milk. Anymore. Oh, so, that's a so, fantastic analogy. Yeah, so this, yeah, this is just this. We're just trying to make this little powder out here, so then we can uh, make the uh, make it good for the food. So, like what people use right now, you might see it in food. It's called zaitum gum. It okay. With the X. So yes. Zaitum gum. Yes. That's that's basically what we're subbing. It's the zaitum gum. Zaitum gum allegedly is uh, it is made inorganically. You have to use like some some chemical against corn in order to get that. Whereas okay. our stuff, you just use alcohol and blast it. And it will take the stuff away. So you're okay. Keep going. This is fun. This is fantastic. So you figured out seaweed. Now, how how are you getting? I mean, is it just you have to buy areas of ocean to go grab? Yeah. So uh, the seaweed, um, we don't have to buy areas of ocean. So like we have a large lagoon. It's about um, it's nine miles wide, and there's only two hundred people that live there. Okay. So so we have plenty of land, but. Um, what we're doing is we are creating the seedlings in order to give away to people so they can create their own farms. Oh. That, that way that way they're self-empowered and that way they can do that stuff. We'll be in charge of like transporting and things and getting it to buyers, but like in the meantime we want right now many people just live to survive. They don't really 
so they do some farming and things, but they don't have any stream of income, but they still want stuff like rice and some other things. Yeah. Those things are more efficient for people to do. And so, yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't even know. So give me the impact, the, the impact you envisioned and where it's at now. So you've generated, um, kind of you generated an industry. Yes? Yes. It didn't exist. We yes. Are, we are in the process of getting a grant through the United Nations. Okay. And, uh, United Jesus, Nations Saul, how do you even get a grant? How do you even get a grant from the United Nations? Like you just said that so matter-of-factly. And it's like, how does this happen? Well, the, uh, they have an office here. So we just, I just walked into the office, asked them for information, and then I, Thunderbird and Willamette, uh, they gave me the gift of gab, so uh, I just... Uh, I, th I think you came into the world with that, in my opinion. Uh, maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but, now, but now I can write it. Before right. I, I, before I could, yeah, I, before I could talk, that's easy, but like writing is a different thing. And so now I can accurately write what I'm trying to say. That's and huge. So, uh, can you come tell Lincoln they, that? Because I just told him about his writing assignments at school, and he told me who writes anymore. So I'm going to need you. <laughs> I'm going to play this well, I for him. I type, though. I type, though. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather type. My hand, my penmanship has always, that's been one of my work, my biggest. Right. So you, if you get this, what's the grant for and how are you going to use it? Uh, the grant is for um, just to buy the infrastructure for the people. So the people don't, it's going to take ropes and anchors and some other things in the seaweed supply, but we're going to bring it all for them. So that's what the grant is for, is to buy the uh, okay. infrastructure in order to do those stuff. Yes. Yeah. So the grant is made so that it will help us make an impact like you were talking about so you had asked what what do we envision our impact being you know it's going to be down the line where these kids are going to be their kids are going to be going to possibly private schools versus than regular schools right? mm -hmm. right? and then them like being more healthier than they are at this time because uh you know the, the specific islands have or micronesia and marshall islands in these places because of the importing that's happening they have one of some of the highest uh, diabetes rates oh because they're just imp the, importing processed foods that's all it is because they uh, people have moved away from like gardening and things because of the ship. And some people work, so it's easy for them to purchase these things, but some people don't work. And so it's like they yeah. need to farm, but then the people who need to farm, they don't have the land because the people who have the land are purchasing the imported goods. So now everyone's just eating bad. Yeah. What is – I'm imagining you had to create – you know, either a nonprofit, like how did, how are you like staying in charge? Your idea, right? You're generating it. Is you create your own nonprofit? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> funny thing, actually, uh, this is how global stuff works. It's crazy. But, um, we have a nonprofit in the U S called outer toll resources. You can look us up on Facebook. We have, uh, some of the things that we do on there, which is, uh, we ship goods for people like donations okay. from their family in the U S out here, but also we, are trying to like write grants for potential projects and things. But uh, the funny thing about the grant, uh, United Nations will not give me the money with a U.S. bank account and a U.S. nonprofit. So I had to create a second nonprofit out here in Micronesia in order to be able to receive Oh, the there's always red tape. There's always technicalities. Yeah. And what's unfortunate is that it's other countries who have done other things that have put these stipulations on us now. Do you see? So oh. like say – Somewhere down in, let's just say Australia, like they did something bad, and now we get the repercussions because they did those. Right. So, what is your day to like? What's your current title, and what's your day to day? Are you out on the lagoon? Are you uh, doing yeah, more so, business stuff? Like, take me through your day to day. So, I'm vice president of research and outreach for the nonprofit over there. But me and my father has co-founded everything, and we have uh, we're trying to get go away from the red tape because uh, you can't. Because foreign investment laws and those things. So my dad is the president. Things okay. Basically, finance. But uh, 
beyond that. So right now we're on the big island. So our seaweed project is on the small island out there, in the which is where we're looking to go. But we have a container coming in, so we're sending more supplies down. So we're waiting for that to get here. Uh, but what we do typically is, uh, yeah, so we just roll out of typically. I sleep in a hammock, so I'll just roll out the hammock and then go out to the water, check the stuff, make sure there's no no turtles hanging around. Like are that. turtles like a problem for the seaweed? Oh, they can't because it's, it's it tastes so good. <laughs> I got yeah. you. But, yeah. You know, it's not an issue, though, because uh, we want to inspire the growth of these turtles as well. So, like, if we have lots of seaweed and they're eating some of it, that's just, like, it's okay, though. It's like if you let your cows out to eat some of your hay. Right, your right. Okay. So, you want to you feed them anyway. So yeah. That's all, which is good. But eventually when we have enough seaweed to over for them not to be able to eat it all, it'll be good, right? And right. So that's, uh, that's where we're at. And um, another thing we're doing, we're doing sponges as well. So we have a particular sponge that grows in Micronesia, which is good for bathing and exfoliating properties for women and other people, obviously. Yeah. Too. But, um, yeah, so we're trying to diversify to reduce our risk. So, like, the, the sponges are more durable than the seaweed. So if oh, we have maybe a bad yes. one time, we'll do something else. Right, right, right. How? What about on the staffing side, the HR side of this thing? So, like, how many – like, you're spitting off scientific data – you also have your business back, but there's so many levels to your company now. How have you gone about finding people to help? Well, that's the thing is that I knew what people were doing while I was over there in Micronesia, and they're just living. Mm -hmm. So some, I would say there is probably 10 to 15, um, 10 to 15 government and like island jobs, like teachers and things like that. But beyond that, they, that means that the rest of everybody is unemployed. Oh my gosh! There's no. There's no work on the island, right? And so that's that's we're just we're just trying to ask people, hey, you guys want to help? And they're like, yes, yeah. That's the only thing we want to do is help because we have never had an opportunity to make money, and now we do. Of right, we want to do this. right. And so, and it's it's good for the environment too. So the the seaweed is the same as the, like trees and things. It filters CO CO two out the water and puts out oxygen. So we need to we're helping with that as well. So. Not only will they be helping themselves, but they'll be helping the environment at the same time. So it's pretty sustainable, and it's it's good for all. It's good for everybody. You know, one of the quotes I'm reading here from the Thunderbird article that I'll make sure I when we put up the episode with you, I'll make sure I link it to the article that talks more in sure, depth. Appreciate that. Uh, it talks. It says business wasn't something that was on the forefront of my mind. Humanitarianism was behind my drive. Business was a means to an end to help people. Like. That's phenomenal. I couldn't agree more with you. And obviously, you're living you're living that statement, but that's so rare. Like, isn't it? Most of the time, people get it flipped. Like, business is going to yeah. help me. Period. Yeah, but that's what happens often. And but when you do it that way, it's not sustainable. Mm. At some point, you're going to bleed the you're going to bleed the cow, and the cow ain't going to have no blood. Yeah. Ah. I was going. I was going to live. And so, oh, I read this book, um, Why Nations Fail. Okay. I read that book. And it blew my mind just talking about inclusive versus exclusive uh, yeah. or extractive, inclusive versus extractive societies and stuff. And pretty much the world is anything bad in the world has to do with extractive societies. Wow. So what's, where are you going with this? I mean, I know your ultimate goal is that, is it just more diversification of your company? Is it more like where, where are you headed 10 years from now? I bring you back on. What are you going to be doing? Well, if I, I mean, once someone once told me like, if you can't teach something and you don't know how to do it, ah. so that's where I'm at. Like, I'm trying to teach them to be able to self-sustain. So yeah. eventually, once we have enough seaweed, so this is what happened. I, 
I knew how much seaweed, I know the seaweed can like turn over really fast. It's a six week growth, growth rate to get to maturity. And so like, I had to think about our next step, which is to send it away. And so I reached out to Denmark and a guy asked me for a 40 foot container full of the seaweed and I don't even have like five pounds. Uh-huh. And, so, and so that tells me right there that the demand is super high that someone from Denmark can ship that far. Right. And so ideally, ideally what we would like to do is vertically integrate. So instead of shipping to process over there and add value, we want to ship here to a bigger island and process here and create more jobs for people that live on this yeah. island. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that's, that would probably take me take us like three to four, three to five years to be able to get to that point. Yeah. But, um, I mean, if you're talking about 10 years, like I said, I'm going to try and have this stuff running by itself. And once it's running by itself, because my dad will be out here. This is his, this is his baby. But yeah, I mean, there's so much of the world that needs to be developed. There's so much more fun. To what is go. your, what's your current time there, time back in the States? How's it, is it, is it full time over there? How you set, how you uh, divide it up? Yeah. So I had two weddings that I went to. Um, recently in California for two of my uh, good friends from college, Blaze and Danny, uh, they play, I put football with them too. So it just tells you our bond so strong right. still, all these years. But, uh, but now I'm full time here, but I'll come back just once in a while. Like maybe for my, for holidays, I'll come back. This, this how does, how's mom there. deal with this? You being all the way to hell over there. Uh, she, you know, mom, she, <laughs> she, she loves having me around cause at, at times I can be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, how do people follow you, and how do they follow the project? All the like I said, I'll share the link, but where else can they follow it? Uh, just I think the Facebook page is, uh, is the easiest way because that, that's the only place I'll probably put updates on there. Just because. And the uh, Facebook you know, page is the outer uh, outer atoll resources. Yep, that's the one. It's on. Yeah, it's on Facebook. We got pretty. We got some cool pictures on there. We did some um, fishing with the community, and then we. Um, yeah, we're growing the seaweed, we're growing the sponges, just having a blast out there. And Are I you running it. that account? You got somebody doing social media? Yeah, yeah, I'm running it. I'm pretty much doing everything, doing the hiring, doing the paperwork, doing all, just because, you know, it's we're a startup, essentially. Right. Right. Bootstrapping. That's right. Bootstrapping right now. Hey, man, I'm super, I'm super impressed, super proud of you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing story. I'm excited that, that you came on Appreciate and found it. the time, man. I'm gonna brag about you. Put this out to anybody that knows you, but also people that don't. To you know, to see what it's like when somebody like yourself really puts not just like their plan and their want, but adds like the toolkit, like you said. Like I went out there the first time and I couldn't help. I didn't have the right stuff to help. But then yeah, you came yeah. back and did the work, man. That's that's amazing. Keep it going. Yeah. We'll we'll keep checking in. Obviously, we'll try to combine our powers to keep Taylor on the straight and narrow. Uh, but we loved we loved having you, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me. And, uh, yeah, any support we get is just uh, it's mad love. So, again, we appreciate it. All right, so. Content reminder, the opinions expressed on the Cross the Streams podcast are those of the host and the guests alone and do not reflect the opinions of the institutions, universities, or businesses that employ the hosts or the guests. Shine. I'm just keeping my shine